This is the Go Maluku Podcast. All right. Um, good day, after everyone. It's 4 p.m. over there in New York, 10 p.m. over in, in Europe, and 10 a.m. in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, 8 a.m. in Auckland, and 6 a.m. in um, Sydney. Don't ask me why. I know that. I, um, but this is the first installment of, um, yeah, tea time. Why do I, yeah, tea time. I got my tea in my hand. It's, yeah, very unnatural for me to be in front of a camera live with, uh, with other people that know a lot more than I do. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's why I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing all this. Uh, so before I uh, introduce like the whole concept of tea time, um, everyone that is interested can um, comments. We're live on both Facebook and as well as YouTube. So that my own, my, my professional Facebook page, Gazali Horilla, um, you can just drop a drop a line in that in that one, or uh, you go to YouTube and um, yeah, it's tea time. Um, couch conversation with Ghazali, and you can drop a comment. Please do so, and uh, because this is a Q and A, this is like very informal uh, couch talk. It's not a dialogue or uh, something that is very formal. It's just us talking with you, and I think that that's like you call, we call it. We're all in social just social distancing mode right now but that doesn't mean that we have the count that we cannot be social so that's a little bit uh, like what you can do so tea time is uh in these it's mostly about in these people's or agenda or impacts like how covid 18 covid 19 uh impacts uh, in these people's and what I wanted to do um, when we, we all went through quarantine and, or in the lockdown or self-isolation or whatever you want to call it, um, I wanted to, to reach out to my indigenous friends and re relatives and, and colleagues. And I just wanted to figure out like, hey, how are you doing? Are you safe? Are you, are you healthy? And what, I've, what I saw was that there was a lot of conversation like with me, but not like globally. There were conversations in regions but not conversation in, um, um, in, at a global stage. So uh, props to uh, Freddy uh, Sebastian from Aymara from Chile. Um, he suggested to me that I should like host like global phone calls um, in terms of, um, yeah, to, to see video calls for Indian people to check in with one another and see what we can do, like how we can come out of, uh, this quarantine lockdown stronger than we went in. So I had some conversations back and forth um, and hosted um, quite a number of them. And like five major topics uh, came out of that that everyone wanted to dive deeper into. Uh, we had like, those conversations were like two hours, but we, we ran out of time actually to um, to really go into 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 depth into all everything that we wanted to cover. So the next couple of days, so this is installment number one, episode number one of the, the five-day saga. Um, sorry, like I'm, I'm still in Star Wars mode. Um, is today we'll talk about how um, COVID-19 
um, impacts the agenda, international agenda of of Indonesian peoples, including UN processes. So um, there's a big group behind this, um, and there's there's only a fraction which you see on the screen right now. It's only a fraction of of the group that that is um, that is behind this um, this whole initiative. So we have the pleasure right now to have to. Um, I have the pleasure um, to be in one conversation with uh, Paulo Sachem, Hawkstorm, Rochelle, Rebecca, and uh, Johnson. Um, so yeah, so there they are all lined up. In, in um, sorry, Paulo, your my logo is now in front of your face. <laughs> um, so I think it would be good for everyone because uh, there's a lot of people that are not familiar with. Um, with all of you, I am familiar with all of you, but I, I can imagine that a lot of people do are not familiar with you. So maybe just give a, the, like the origin story rundown of who you are, and um, um, and then we'll we'll go from there. So uh, Paulo, it's up to you, man. Yeah, I'm Paulo Arantes. I I'm Brazilian. I've been working with the UN uh, human rights system for uh, a while now, and uh, in the last years working with indigenous peoples and indigenous rights, I fully fell in love with this topic. And there we are, just to exchange some ideas on that. Sweet, thanks. Uh, Rochelle, thank you. You, uh, you, you uh, conquered some storms, that is what I heard. Hi, Puju, everyone. I mean, um, yeah, we're getting some late season snowstorms here in uh, northern Minnesota. Uh, we've had some hail, rain, snow, uh, really rapidly dropping temperatures. Um, so yeah, we're um, we've got a bit of a snowstorm out here. I'll try to give you guys a background in a little bit. It's, it's pretty hard out there. So um, for all of you who don't know me, uh, Rochelle Diver, I'm Lake Superior Ojibwe um, from Fond du Lac uh, Reservation in Northern Minnesota. I'm uh, really happy to join the conversation, um, talk about some international processes, uh, really focusing on UN Environment Program in particular, um, some of the meetings coming up and happy to share some ideas. Miigwech. Sweet. Um, Johnson. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Johnson Serda. I'm from Ecuador. I'm Quechua from the Ecuadorian Amazon. I'm working with uh, Conservation International in a program called the Dedicated Mechanism for Indigenous Peoples and Local Communities. And we are working in 12, we started with 14 countries and working in 14 countries and a global component to work, you know, uh, with with those countries, and I'm based in Washington D.C. for now, and also you know dealing with the connected with the uh, climate change convention, also respecting some of those meetings because our work is somehow related to that convention as well. Appreciate it, Johnson. Um, Rebecca, Wuras, Wuras. Wurak, Wurakaikesh. Uh, nice to meet you all. Uh, my name is Rebecca Poshkia. I am a Southern Sami, um, brought up on the Swedish in the Swedish area of our traditional lands. Really nice to meet you all. 
I am um, normally I'm based in Geneva in Switzerland and I work for the World Intellectual Property Organization, which is a UN specialized agency working on intellectual property and traditional knowledge. Uh, so I work with and for um, indigenous peoples there. But um, we are currently, um, the office is closed. Uh, so I'm back in Sweden now working remotely. So yeah, we have a bit storm storm here as well. Um, very much of an April weather for us. So um, yeah, good to see you all. Thank you so much. Um, Hawk, you're the last one. And you're still on mute, man. <laughs> I hit the button. Um, <laughs> so um, my name is Sachem Hawk Storm. I am Scattercoke from uh, Turtle Island. I'm on the New York uh, area, uh, upstate New York. And um, yeah, do a, do a lot of work with um, different groups at the Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues and and also doing a lot of work with agro-food forestry, uh, with different indigenous communities, working with the Wabanaki Confederacy, the uh, Yawanawa peoples down in Brazil, and uh, in conversations with other groups that are just doing this work uh, using indigenous traditional knowledge. So um, I'm very grateful to be in this group. Awesome, awesome. And I think it's, um because uh, we are talking about the effects of COVID-19 on international processes, like this is a very good mix of people. Uh, Paulo is very intimate with uh, Human Rights Council. Uh, Johnson, like he is like the, the master when it comes to UNFCCC. Uh, Rebecca, like she said on WIPO. Rochelle, like talk, ask anything about CBD and the BRS. So that was like Basel, Rotterdam and Stockholm conventions and she'll she can talk for ages about that, and and Hawk can talk a lot about about the permanent forum. Um, so, um, let's can we start a little bit about like where they are right now, in terms of um, what well, we all know. Every everyone is in uh, is in lockdown and, and working from home and everything else. But uh, where did where did we those processes leave? But you know, like before. This lockdown was instituted like where was the human rights council and because i think that's very interesting to to see like what's this tactic where are we right now um i i don't know where to start but maybe paula because you started with introductions maybe yeah like um can you tell me about a little bit tell us a little bit about human rights council uh where it is right now in terms of processes and everything else yeah, uh, the Human Rights Council started uh, nicely one week. So then we had the high level segment and all the special rapporteurs, uh, they presented their studies. And then uh, during the second week, we had progressive in interruptions now. Uh, and then they tried to organize the meetings at the assembly hall, which is a, the largest uh, meeting room in, in, in the whole uh, UN in Geneva. So it, start, it stopped uh, exactly on the item uh, nine. So it went all the way through. So the main debates were, were carried out. Um, 
what was missing was the Durban debate every session of the Human Rights Council. There is a, a and this is an opportunity for indigenous peoples to interact with the with the council, though it's not the most uh, specialized venue. And um, the resolutions, they were not taken action. So all the 40 and so resolutions that were on the table, they will be resolved somewhere that somewhere in time that we don't know yet. But the council is still pending. Uh, there was a uh, there was an early decision of the president of the council to nominate the the thirteen uh, special procedure mandates that that were pending. So they they the president decided to anticipate. So that's more or less where we stopped, and then it was uh, permanently suspended. Yeah, thanks. Because I, be I believe that. Um, the special rapporteur on the rights of these peoples was like, like on the last minute was uh, was elected, right? Um, uh, yes. Francisco uh, Cali. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So that, that's uh, that's good. I, I, well, obviously, we'll come back to the Human Rights Council. There's a lot of things happening at the HRC that affects these peoples. Um, we're supposed to be in New York around this time, actually, for the Purim Forum um, Hawk. Um, yeah, like, how does that feel, not being able to go to the Prune Forum for the first time in a very long time? Yeah, it's it's um, it's pretty disturbing, actually. Uh, we, I, especially with the way things are going now, um, with, uh, as, it, like, for us in particular in the U.S., um, being pull, pulling out of the uh, U.S. Human Rights Network and, or you, you the, um, sorry um out of the out of the international human rights uh network and and having you know being on such shaky ground with um the united nations declaration on the rights of indigenous peoples and and whether we even push um the declaration right now when we have so many uh so many uh leading um presidents right now that that could pull a few countries right out of our our declaration mm. um and you know at this time is also the time when we can get the most of us at the same table to have these discussions and to be able to uh prepare for uh, not just the permanent forum but for other um meetings that are coming up in in the un and in geneva um, this is a time when we don't have very many times when we can all come together and start start brainstorming these processes. Um, so for yeah. which also brings us to the fact that if it's pushed forward, um, what's going to be overlapping, and and it'll kind of thin out the amount of of indigenous peoples that actually can show up and have a voice um, during all these processes. So. So it's pretty disturbing. Um, it's it's also like very difficult for us, right? Because this is the time when we come together, and and you know most of the time it's a very isolating job that we have. You know we feel very <laughs> like in in all of our regions we feel very isolated in our regions, and and this this is the time when we actually come together and we hey you know this is why we do this and 
and um, this that we're not we're not alone in this in our in our individual areas. So right. thanks. That's kind of where I'm feeling right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it feels strange not to be in New York at the end uh, right now. Um, Rochelle, like I, for me, um, it was kind of strange because you were in Rome when um, the virus broke out over there in Italy uh, for the for this for a CBD meeting. Um, like, how did that feel before you go like into like where we are at the the chemical conventions and CBD? We were really surprised. Um, it all happened really quickly once we got there. We were really focused on the work, as you always are before you go um, to one of these meetings. It was the second session of the open-ended working group for the CBD towards a post-2020 strategic framework. Um, there will be three all together. And um, yeah, so we, we arrived with our head in the game. We knew um, this was a really important meeting, uh, working towards the COP that was scheduled for November 2020. Um, and uh, a, a day or two after we got there is when Northern Italy went into lockdown. Um, so it was still the weekend. We were still meeting um, the Indigenous Peoples Caucus and um, our other side meetings and preparatory meetings were still happening, but we didn't know what to expect on Monday morning when we went into FAO. Um, so uh, we were all just, you know, continuing to work and playing the waiting game. And once we got into the, the morning plenary session, we were actually quite surprised um, how much they were playing it down. Um, even the WHO was telling us um, everything um, is fine. The meeting um, should still continue because um, there's a lot of work to be done. It's important to note that um, these meetings are already very rushed. They were trying to uh, complete four more meetings are scheduled um, throughout the end of 2020. So um, that's going to get pushed back, which I know we'll cover later. Um, but uh, it just didn't even seem to be an option to, to cancel. Um, but they were saying everything's fine. Um, just keep uh, social distancing. Um, make sure we've got uh, a good amount of space in between one another. So if any of you have ever been inside a UN plenary session, you know that that is nearly impossible. Actually, the whole whole room kind of chuckled at that moment as we, uh, you know, we're sitting elbow to elbow. Um, but yeah, we continued on. Um, I didn't hear about anyone um, getting sick from our meeting. Um, and, and we just kept pushing through and, and trying to focus the best we could. The work continued, so so we did as well. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Johnson, so uh, how are things, like, yeah, um, how are you doing? Well, and like UNICCC, um, maybe you could also, because it's like UNICCC is a very big monster uh, to um to grasp and like in one conversation, but can you, could you also give, give a rundown? Because we just came out of COP. In, yeah. Um, where are we in terms of agriculture? Um, like like Coronovia process and uh, Article Six, maybe. Um, if you if you would able yeah. to brief on that. Yeah, let's well. see. Yeah, let's see. Uh, first of all, uh, the Paris Agreement was adopted in 2015, right? And uh, during the next three years, until 2018, they're supposed to work on the rules for the implementation of the Paris Agreement, but still the Article 6 is missing there, so that's uh, we are aware of that. And in terms of um, the implementation of the Paris Agreement starts this year, but uh, that part is missing, the Article 6. 
But in terms of the, uh, the Indigenous Peoples Platform, we have already uh, worked on the, you know, the composition of the facilitated working group with seven members from Indigenous Peoples. And then the work plan was adopted last year. And the priorities of that work plan, there were only five, I think, activities. Four activities of mapping, only mapping participation, mapping of funding, mapping of uh, policies, and then just uh, uh, one activity on exchanges, I think regional exchanges, but that is not clear yet because we don't have any other information. These five priorities were decided there, but it's not public. I haven't seen in the, their website, but that is the, the priority, priority they have from the 12 activities that they have as, uh, you know, activities of the work plan. Uh, that's one thing. And then in terms of agriculture, we were invited to participate in the in that uh, activity that was for April, was canceled as well. Um, and I don't know when they are going to reschedule that, that uh, meeting on agriculture. Basically, as uh, maybe you are, you are aware of this, uh, they have decided the uh, work plan also, work plan for the agriculture. And they are organizing workshops where uh, with different topics and, you know, as indigenous peoples, are, we are invited to submit our ideas or, or inputs on the topics they are dealing with. Um, so that's why we were invited this time, but I don't know when they are going to reschedule. Uh, what we understand at this point is that also the SABSTA meeting uh, supposed to have in June, now it's postponed for uh, October, right? October 4 to 12 and then the cup also for the next year i believe it's not for this year so that is the the situation there we are expecting to have more information at this point uh the secretariat i think is still expecting the submission on on um submission on the uh the participation of indigenous peoples on international um, climate change or other bodies, it says. One is in participation, the other one is in policies, uh, and the third one is in, in the participation, but related to NDCs at the national level, how indigenous groups are going to participate in the reporting process of the NDCs. So they are expecting that. Still, the deadline setting for two submissions is this uh, at the end of this month, and the third one on NDCs is for June. Uh, mid, mid June, I believe. So we are expecting that, and yeah, no more information there. We are still waiting for more information. Yeah, I appreciate it, Johnson. Um, Rebecca, how are things over at WIPO? Yes, how are things? <laughs> um, yeah, same here. Like, we're facilitating meetings as well, we're facilitating. Um, the IGCs or the Intergovernmental Committee on Genetic Resources, Traditional Knowledge and Folklore, which is traditional cultural expressions. And we were supposed to have quite a few meetings this year. Um, schedule has, of course, changed. Everything is still tentative. All the new schedule, like all the new dates, still we don't know. Uh, so it's very like for everyone, it's it's very strange to be. We have these international meetings that we go to, um, and uh, which we usually coordinate with, and we have our own meetings as well. Um, 
and we have our workshops and our capacity building activities and so on. So, um, yeah, it was a, a very like schedule wise, a very packed, uh, spring, uh, until recently. Um, but it is strange. I mean, we talked about this as well, Ghazali, that, um, when these new date, we are looking at like possible new dates. Uh, it's really hard to to plan, of course. But um, well, you know, we're just hoping that we will get some sort of answers to go. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're still we're still planning uh, as if things will work out pretty soon. Uh, trying to get everything ready uh, that we can. So when uh, when we're ready to ready to go again and to like start having our meetings. And, um and have our uh, different activities like we're ready to go uh, pretty much um so yeah that's the situation that's the situation for us now all right all right thanks thanks for the update um for for me like uh, might as well give an update as well um in terms of the bbnj process so which is the biodiversity beyond national jurisdiction um so which is a, a new legally binding treaty to protect the biodiversity of the high seas. So if 70% of the planet is oceans, 64% of that is, are the high seas. And so the, under the UNCLOS right now, so the UN Conventional Law of the Sea, um, they now want to create a uh, legally binding treaty to protect the biodiversity. Um, so it started like, um, like was the, the whole start, process started in 2012. Um, at the uh, Rio summit, Rio plus 20. And um, they have been like working, well, they've been working hard towards like getting to the, the final legal, legally binding document. The um, the interest of indigenous peoples in this in this whole uh, legally binding treaty is, is that they wanna, um, this, uh, there are the, a lot of states, but um, mostly the Pacific small island developing states and um, the classic states that are supportive of, Indian, of Indian peoples and the rights of Indian peoples and human rights. Um, they wanted to have, um, in terms of terms of reference, that not only they're not look, only looking at science to uh, protect the biodiversity, but also look at the knowledge of Indian peoples to protect the biodiversity. So creating creating, at least that that is my vantage point. That creating equity and equality between the two, making sure that like when we look at protecting the biodiversity that we're not solely looking at, at, at science and regards uh, the knowledge of indigenous peoples or what they would like to call, and I would love, love to hear your, think, uh, your thoughts about that as well, uh, what, what everyone else likes to call traditional knowledge as a, a orphan that nobody wants to talk to. And that is, um, I think the, the idea is, is to, to bring balance to those that um, both are considered for um, to protect the biodiversity. Um, so they're looking at a clearinghouse mechanism, mechanism uh, like a substa, uh, which is made uh, what we know at, at UNFCCC, but at UNFCCC is a little bit politicized, like the substa. Under the under the uh, BBNJ, like it's we're looking at having a substa of uh, experts, both indigenous as well as 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 scientists. Um, so why, why I'm saying this is because we supposed to be in the final round of negotiations in New York last week, and we were all geared towards, uh, doing, uh, uh towards 
making sure that have, that we now have a legally binding treaty. And I was, before I went into like quarantine, I was in Monaco. Um, uh, there was an informal session hosted by uh, uh, Prince Albert II of, Mo of Monaco um, Foundation. And His Serene Highness himself was in that meeting as well. Um, and former Secretary of State John Kerry, which was was odd, but you know it's uh, at least like to be sit across from a table from a former Secretary of State. Um, and then we was again very good meeting. And then we heard, of, of course, that that all the meetings in New York were were, were going to be postponed, and that the final round of negotiations were also going to be postponed. And the the difficulty with this. With this process is it, it requires a new resolution from the general assembly so like we have to go through that process again like and hoping that we we can finalize this whole process um soon um and yeah so and then we i went back and then i uh we received the news that his serene highness prince albert had was also infected by the uh by, by the virus and we just shook hands and sat across from each other like a couple of days ago. So we were all a little bit um, scared, but we're, as far as I know, everyone is is uh, healthy and is safe. And I think uh, His Serene Highness is doing well by himself as well. Um, so that, that is in terms of, of, of uh, when it comes to the ocean, uh, oceans. Um, there's something, yeah, there's a lot more things going on, of course, uh, like a lot more processes. Uh, we talk about FAO or IFAD, but like, yeah, if we're going to talk about that, it will be probably be an, another couple hours of, of talking that we probably shouldn't do. Um, I just wanted to open up like, like uh, the, the floor. I'm, first of all, I'm not like uh, a chair or chairperson. Or I don't have a gavel and nor do I want to use a gavel. Just like uh, it's a conversation and speak freely, um, share your thoughts and um first how are we like maybe maybe throw in an idea in there or like like a discussion point uh how are we feeling with um the response of i'm not talking about who but the un in general in terms of um yeah, handling this, this this pandemic anyone <laughs> yeah just follow go ahead man yeah, just shoot first. Yeah, uh, so the official physical contact meetings, they are, of course, clearly uh, suspended. But uh, the treaty bodies as well. So the 10 treaty bodies, they decide not to hold official meetings for obvious reasons. But uh, they're handling uh, some uh, um, priority information, for example, uh, they they were adopting list of issues of of many countries, uh, so there is some work go, going on. Now regarding the special procedures, uh, there's lots going on. I mean, they're they're able to process uh, urgent appeals or letters of allegations. Of course, there is uh, country visits. They 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 have been suspended. But the staff ha ha has been working, so we've been able to to make a, a number of uh, WhatsApp or Skype calls 
to work on, on future reports. Uh, if you subscribe to the to the UN civil society or its HR civil society mailing list, you see that the thematic studies are going on. So there are many deadlines for contribution, not, not only on the rapporteurship on indigenous peoples, but many, many of them. So there are many, I mean, there are many ways in which we can still interact with the with the uh, UN human rights system. There is a, a very good opportunity. It's a mid-term, mid and long-term process, but the special rapporteur on, on human rights and the environment has invited states to adopt a resolution to consider uh, the uh, healthy environment as a human rights. Internationally, it hasn't been recognized yet. Uh, probably Johnson knows uh, much more, but from at least from Latin America, many constitutions adopt a human right, a, a balanced environment as a human right. So there's an opportunity not only to to support this idea, but you know to to emphasize the role of indigenous peoples in preserving the environment to strengthen SDG language. I mean, we haven't seen much, for example, uh, many elaboration on the issue of agents of change so that indigenous peoples, you know, without them, uh, countries will not uh, uh, comply, achieve the, the SDG. So something that came out, you know, now I was thinking aloud, came out, I, I leave now for someone else who has some more ideas. Yeah, I can, I can uh, um, jump in. Right. Or do you want to talk, Johnson? You can respond if you want to. No, um, yeah, uh, same for us. Like, like I said, things are postponed and so on. And I think, um, well, we're trying to find um, new ways uh, of um, keeping like some sort of activities going, keeping the engagement, uh, finding new platforms uh, in which we can communicate and um, what we should be communicating about. And I think that's uh, that's something that we're, we're working on, like what kind of needs um, are there now? Like what, what does indigenous peoples need and want um, now? And that's really something that I was hoping to get like input on and the division, traditional knowledge division in, where I work, um, that we have been discussing a lot because we're uh, obviously we're not out there. <laughs> we're not with indigenous peoples and um, um, just like speaking freely here is that I'm sure that a lot of indigenous peoples like they they are really, really suffering with with this virus. And then there are also indigenous peoples who might not be like so affected like physically themselves or maybe be in danger, um, but who are still in lockdown. What kind of new needs um, uh, are there now? Um, so that's what we're trying to map and I would really like to hear input. What should we be doing? Because like what we do, um, 
we do a lot of capacity building activities and we're thinking like do we continue to do that do we find uh, uh do we use this time to find new platforms to reach people uh, is is it a really a good time to do that does do people want that right now do people have time do they have the capability to like get that information in or is it too stressful um so those questions we're really throwing around and we're trying to find answers like what how can we help in this situation what is uh, what are the needs of indigenous peoples um who are in different situations right now so Okay, this is Johnson. In, in in our side, I haven't seen much, you know, uh, things went on. Uh, we we don't have any meetings, but uh, I would say that we don't have also information. Things are not moving in my view. Um, uh, but we understand the situation. Uh, it's perhaps easy for us to have access to the internet, but I see that in the community side we don't have much uh, possibilities to have access to the internet and keep you know having the conversation or keep moving things and uh, that is one of the barriers that we have and i've seen that uh, uh, many of the indigenous leaders uh, they are focused on how they are going to protect the communities and and, and coordinating with different institutions to see uh, if if communities are safe so they are focused on that and and just now, um, you know, we are trying to do something and engage with them in terms of starting the conversation. But the, the last one is all like, you know, they were totally locked down and even with communication was was impossible. So exploring opportunities now, since we have these kind of platforms, I started just last week, you know, using a platform like this. And how's the reception, by the way, Johnson? Like, how do people receive in your region that using that new platform sorry to interrupt no no um they they like a lot this um uh, because uh in in rural communities you know they don't have a, a internet to um you know in their laptop in their house they have you know the cell phone and they can see it facebook and if we share to facebook things they can have access to the information but in terms to see them and work, they don't have possibilities to do that. It's just a phone, and the use they do, they, they use, uh, they are using just to, you know, see uh, activities like this. So they are happy with, with this, and they have requested to do more. We are so far doing like two uh, Facebook uh, using uh, this this platform, and, and we are sharing information with communities and inviting people to speak. And it's it's greatly appreciated by by our community members. So I'm happy with this, and I'm happy also that you guys are starting with this, and that will help a lot to our colleagues to understand what's going on out there. Uh, we know that you know nothing is is moving, but perhaps it's moving slowly. But it's important to share this information with them. Well, my my question is is also, but not necessarily to you, Johnson. But like you said, like nothing is moving. But I have a feeling that like. There are there are things moving like the UN is still working, right? So um, my and here comes actually what a fear of mine is is that the UN is still moving, the international community is still moving, uh, while everyone is is in lockdown and everyone is so focused on like staying alive and and trying to not be be infected. Um, 
Now, how are we? How can we, as a movement, as Indigenous peoples, as well as Indigenous uh, allies, like be able to to yeah, um, still engage with, uh, like Rebecca said, like how, how can we still engage with the with the UN, uh, even though we're still in lockdown, even though we're in this uh, in this yeah confined space in our own bubble. Um, so just not, maybe not necessarily a question, but more like a, a, a comment or like a concern that I have. I don't know if you, if everyone else shares that concern. Um, yeah, I just wanted, just wanted to throw that, throw it out there though. Yeah. I'd like to comment on that. Um, there's, you know, what, going back to what Rebecca was saying about what indigenous communities need now. And, and I think they're both tied in with all these meetings still happening. There are meetings still happening without an indigenous voice present. Um, and it's been hard enough to get an indigenous voice in many of these meetings in the first place. Um, so uh, seeing what they're actually, what their agendas are that they're pushing forward. Like, first of all, uh, here in the US, um, the president just rolled back all EPA. Uh, um, and so they're to push, of course, their their agenda through the pipelines and, and stuff like that. They also are starting to take away um, uh, reservation lands. And so like the we have the Mashpee Wampanoag uh, who are being threatened to lose their, uh, their reservation status here on the East Coast. Um, you know, these are, these are things that, that we would be able to address, um, at the permanent forum, uh, to the special repertoire to, to get a, um, you know, a human rights violation assessment that we're not able to get. Um, and, you know, I, down in Brazil, what, what's happening is, um, the president is, is, you know, now we have an indigenous tribes that have the COVID-19 inside the jungle, right? And so if they, some of these tribes are eight hours upriver um, in the jungle and to even get to a local town, you're talking eight hours and then to get to a hospital that actually could treat these people, you, you could be five more hours away. You know, and so um, these are these are serious issues that that we're dealing with right now. You know, um, and we have we have presidents in these countries, in particular, that that want to blame it on indigenous peoples, or 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 they're okay with the indigenous peoples being wiped out from something like this. So to to further push their agenda of deforestation and mining. Um, so these are these are, I think the human rights issues that we'd be able to address uh, on a more um, physical level uh, that we can't right now is is pretty devastating. Yeah, and just to add to that, it's really important to watch these countries that are openly um, criticizing WHO and United Nations processes, like we're seeing in the United States and Brazil. Um, they're really taking this as an opportune moment to push their agenda. Um, and also in Canada, we're seeing the same things. We're seeing changes of regulations around the tar sands in Alberta. 
um, in the United States, um, individual states are changing laws. Um, three in particular, uh, since COVID um, has hit our communities, they have taken this opportunity to um, criminalize um, any gatherings that will be considered protests all along the lines of what will be um, if they push it through the KXL pipeline. Um, so uh, we're trying to protect our communities. We're trying to protect ourselves at the same time we're under attack and um, with limited resources um, to keep our people healthy, let alone um, begin to stage organized fights um, against these threats. So there's more governments to keep an eye on in that realm as well. Yeah, just some a few words on, on Brazil. So uh, President Bolsonaro has been denying the seriousness of COVID you know, for a long time. And this is added to the, his campaign really to get rid of all indigenous peoples. I mean, since since day one, so the the effects are, are, are of this, you know, this those combined policies is like lack of any humanitarian aid. So many many indigenous communities they are, you know, lacking everything, food you know, uh, uh, medical care and so on. There are, there are also reports that religious missionaries took the opportunity to start visiting non-contacted peoples, you know. Uh, there's, there's been also an attempt to evict a, a, a Quilombola, it's a traditional community in the state of Maranhão, just you know, because media is distracted with the COVID nineteen, so they are trying to to do that. So all the all the all the effects that you know the overall population suffers. The we see the indigenous people suffering it very disproportionately, and and and, and you know for the for the overall population, COVID nineteen hasn't reached its peak so the results in the few weeks will, will be really disastrous there's you know we're bracing for something really really bad hmm. i heard um i had a conversation with uh, carson kibuto from uh, kenya and he said also that um there's this um the states or police in this matter are using um, the lockdown um, measure as a way of, of you know, like shooting at Indian peoples. Um, that there are Indian peoples are killed. There are more Indian peoples killed by the police in these times than by COVID nineteen. So, like you, you see everywhere, like like a a, a surge of that, um, like you guys said, that that they're using this as an excuse. Um, to like crack down on indigenous peoples, um, which is, or uh, well, not not just not just states, but uh, like every, everyone else. And I, I'm also concerned about. Um, I heard something somewhere that um, companies were now allowed to dump uh, uh, chemicals in, in waters now um, because there's a lot of legislation. I can't remember which country that was. 
um, but there was they were now allowed to like dump chemicals in, in waters. Um, like like there was legislation that was put in place to fight climate change, but like no, they're not backtracking legislation. Um, uh, that like particular legislation. So my my fear is is not just Indian peoples, but like the global the world in general will come out of this in a worse state than we went in to, into this hole and in, into, into this whole uh, shithole. Um, and also, um, so, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to like hearing your thoughts or whatever you else we want to chuck in there. Um, also, there's people like watching, there's almost 50 people, not a lot, more than 50 people watching this, this live stream, and you're able to comment and, and or ask questions um, to the to everyone um, on the, on the stream, and we will definitely, um, yeah. And you can, for example, there's a greeting for uh, Paolo, so um, <laughs> so I can I can do that. So I can I can bring in uh, people and, and questions that that people are uh, are asking. So please, if you're watching this or consuming in any other way or from Facebook or YouTube, please don't hesitate to uh, comment in or drop your two cents uh, into into this whole into this whole conversation. Um, where, where May I say I? something? Yeah, Johnson. Yeah, um, in a positive note, um, in in the communities in Ecuador, since most of the members of the village they have decided to go into the forest itself. Uh, most of the people from the cities, they are asking them if they can receive them in the forest. So we've been talking with our colleagues there that, you know, this is an opportunity to say that, you know, we are protecting the forest and, and cares for everyone. And they have to support also our struggle because that is the issue that we are having there, you know. Our colleagues in the south of the Ecuadorian Amazon against the mining companies, in the north against the oil companies, and just now, when we have this situation, we are we are spending our time in the forest as community members, and most of the people, as I said, they want to come there. So uh, it's actually I think it's also a great opportunity to tell everybody that you know that that is why we are protecting the forest. Just just wanted to say that. I've I have someone that, well, this whole feature of this whole platform can only host six. So I'm going to jump out for a couple of minutes, uh, uh, for a moment, going to bring uh, Victor in, like it's, he he was on the stream as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to. Can you hear me? Nice. Uh, yeah, it's really nice to be here with everyone. I think um, there's, uh, I mean, there's, there's not much I can, I can say that already hasn't been said. I think this is a time that uh, we really need to be vigilant of uh, governments and companies using this um, as an excuse just to take advantage of us and take advantage of all the progress that we've made. Um, so thank you everyone for for fighting um, and for you know um, keeping your eye on these things when our communities are um, facing you know what what they would deem to be distractions. But 
we won't take our eye off the board, off the off the chessboard, and let them, um, you know, do what they've always tried to do. And I think um, this is a classic example of of uh, of what these countries do during vulnerable times. Um, they go into communities. They might offer assistance, but it doesn't come without um, clauses. It doesn't come without um, you know, without uh, misunderstandings that are propagated intentionally. And um, I think during this time, uh, yeah, we really need to to focus on these processes and make sure that we're there at each one, because like Ghazali said, things happen really quickly. Um, and uh, yeah, just from the, uh, the, the medical perspective, because I'm an indigenous medical student at Harvard Medical School, I think, um, it's uh, there's a there's a balancing act that indigenous communities uh, have to have to participate in right now in terms of um, dealing with you know the Western systems um, the Western medical systems and how to go about that is something that I've been thinking about a lot because a lot of indigenous communities don't trust uh, Western medicine and so how do we um, implement our action plans in in a, in a way that you know, protects our communities, you know, and maintains our the rights that that a lot of our elders have fought so hard for, but at the same time is led by by us and not by um, these savior mentality type organizations and and medical institutions um, and Western governments that that might try to take advantage of our vulnerability right now. Um, so one thing I'm doing is uh, leading a team with uh, some of my fellow indigenous youth, like Carson, who Ghazali was mentioning earlier, and uh, uh, Harvard Medical School, and with the UN Youth Envoy. And we got a team of about 20 um, Harvard medical uh, doctors and health professionals um, who are being led by indigenous youth uh, on, how on um, helping you know, communities respond to this crisis on their own terms and um, being able to to uh, have an empowering partnership with one of the premier medical institutions in the world. Um, and I would appreciate if, if anyone would like to work with us on this, uh, please feel welcome to join us. Um, we're also partnering with uh, International Fund for Agricultural Development, and uh, we're maintaining uh, an eye on these processes and uh, gonna move towards partnership with the World Health Organization as well. Um, and would appreciate anyone with expertise on on those processes who might be able to to help us move forward um, and uh, developing something that that probably would have been uh, it, helpful if we already had it in place. But this isn't the last time this is going to happen. Um, these pandemics have been happening already for a long time, and they're going to happen in the future. And we need to figure out also the long term game in terms of um, how we move forward and prepare um, because this this isn't something that's that's going to be a one-time thing so I think it'd be good to keep an eye on on um, how we how we build from here thank you I'm sorry like um again Victor there's only the six that can go in and so I had to jump out myself. Thank you for your for your comments. And yeah, like to ask the this like repeat that question. Like, how do we do? Like, how do we deal with this? Like, long term, because uh, this probably won't be the won't be the first one and not be the last one. 
how can we deal with this as a movement um to staying active and how do we yeah how, how do you do, deal with this so um Rochelle did you want to speak or is it okay yeah thank you uh, I might be like jumping the gun now also but I don't think we're there but so hearing the conversation and also thank you Victor like that's it's super cool like I don't know anything about I'm gonna say anything about medicine which kind of tells you how little I know um, but it's uh, it's really great that so many indigenous peoples have that interest and knowledge uh, come together now we have um, we have a Sami nurse uh, that I was hanging out with uh, earlier today. It's really important to, um, to have these indigenous uh, people who are like in medicine in different forms. Uh, but then I was thinking, so listening to your conversation here, it's like we already had, um, we already had issues before. Like we have our issues as indigenous peoples. Um, and now there might even be uh, new issues coming out in addition to this threat of COVID-19. Um, and the, the fear is that the UN processes is going to continue and that Indigenous peoples are going to be left behind uh, and not be, well, not, well, be left behind, not be involved. And um, that uh, even though we have fought for that place uh, for so long. Um, so so that's a question I wanted to ask you and also maybe people who can um, uh, comment on the chat. Like, do, do you wanna wait? Like, do we wanna wait until uh, we have these physical meetings again so we can raise these issues with the permanent forum and so on? Uh, or do we try to find find ways in between uh, on how to like um, keep active? Do we find new ways and how do we go on with that? Um, because again, like like we all said, like everything is tentative. We're looking at October, looking at November. Some meetings have even been postponed uh, until next year. Um, so yeah. Uh, so do we wait for those meetings or what do we do? Uh, what do we do um, uh, in the meantime? Um, again, maybe we're, we're not quite there yet because people are still really much in a crisis and, and might not even have reached their, the peak of their crisis. But, uh, but it's still something that we should, um, we should consider, I think. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you, Rebecca. If you don't mind if I chime in again, I'm actually going to have to jump off for another call. Um, so I'm just going to um, finish with a couple things um, to add on Re what Rebecca is saying. Um, I think that we really uh, found ourselves um, with a silver lining here with all the organizing that we've been doing um, on and Zoom and other platforms. Um, it's something that we were kind of lacking. Otherwise, we just look forward to seeing each other at the meetings, having our regional and global caucus meetings and engaging that way when actually these really should have been happening before any UN process that we went to. Uh, we can't always make it to Geneva or Bonn or wherever these meetings are happening. Um, and we end up sometimes, you know, um, doing our best as a very small group to ensure that 
voices of indigenous peoples are heard globally. And I think this is really highlighting a gap that we had before. And it's something that we can do before any UN process um, to make sure everybody's voice is amplified and that we have input from everybody and are able to um, you know, touch bases um, with all corners of the world and, and ensure that we really are showing up at these meetings um, with a representative focus. And um, so that's one thing that I, I just wanted to say, and, and I hope that we can we can do that. We could even have one of these for each one of the UN processes that are coming up that are scheduled to happen um, so that people that um, you know work in these fields um, can, can provide their input even if they've never been to a UN meeting before at all. Um, so that said, um, just quickly wanted to um, talk about the UN environment meetings that are set to happen. Like I said earlier, the three CBD meetings um, were set to uh, one, the SUBSTA, the scientific body, um, the uh, final session of the open-ended working group for the strategic post-2020 strategic framework, and then the COP. Um, also, UN Environment Assembly was set to meet. Uh, the UN Minamata Convention on Mercury was set to meet uh, next year as well. And um, of course, UNFCCC. Um, and then the Stop Stockholm Convention on Persistent Organic Pollutants, the Basel and Rotterdam Conventions, they meet as a super cop. Um, so these are all now set to happen in 2021. Um, and I just thought that, uh, thank you, Gazelle, for in mentioning um, the environmental toxic dumping. Um, so just quickly, I'd like to plug um, and make a call for participation in the UN Stockholm, Basel and Rotterdam conventions, um, um, harmful pesticides, and other environmental toxics. It has to do with the manufacture and use of as well as the storage and transnational boundary movement of these harmful toxics. Um, we have, um, they, most of them happen in Geneva. We've had a difficult time increasing indigenous participation. So I just wanna let everybody know that these mechanisms exist. Um, if you're having issues with environmental toxics within your communities, any kind of dumping. Um, I just read that in Chicago, um, there was a, um, an explosion from a, a coal-fired uh, power plant or something that, um, uh, basically um, shed toxics all over a community. Um, we're already fighting um, COVID with respiratory issues and they're being um, inundated with environmental toxics. Um, if any of these things are happening in your community, um, you know, take um, take note of it, uh, to write down everything that you can that um, tells where it came from, what's happening, what kind of impacts you're having. Um, and, and you know, this this can be used for future work and this stuff is going to need to to come out later. Um, so just on that note, um, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. I want to say thank you for having this opportunity to speak. Um, and please, in the comments, um, if you uh, want any more information on any of the processes that I've mentioned, I'm so happy to help. Um, and I'll put my email there so people can reach out individually. And so... Um, just chimiguich to everyone. Best of luck. I'm going to jump off and create a space for someone else to jump in. So. Appreciate it, Rochelle. Um, thank you for your input, and definitely we're gonna like we'll talk we'll we'll talk more during the week, definitely, and we'll we'll talk more about the chemical conventions and you know, everything that's on your mind because I love your mind, so that's good. Um, thank you so much, Rochelle, and yeah, yeah, you can go now, like. Um, yeah, how do how how do we how do we move on from here? Like it, it is. Um, oh, definitely, we're gonna bring in Victor. Um, 
Yeah, let's like what I've at least like I I, I move a lot within the in, within the Pacific Indigenous region uh, in terms of like deal with a lot with the Pacific and well, one of at least one of my observations was was that we work too much with for example like emails you know like think simple things like that whereas why are we using like platforms like like Zoom like Streamyard or simple things like using Slack or like all the these platforms that, that are out there like to 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 organize a little bit more um i think that that is something that we can should be be using a lot more as well uh paula you want to jump in no no go ahead yeah yeah okay yeah yeah i was just uh i was just listening to rebecca what she told i think uh whatever we can do while the physical meetings aren't possible I think we we should do. I think within the UN system there was a uh, sort of a briefing from the High Commissioner on general human rights issues and COVID-19. Only a few mentions about indigenous peoples, really, as Rebecca told, left you know left behind. I think the same with the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. They just published uh, a report on that. If we could help as much as possible at this stage to, you know, to bring indigenous people's voices to these venues, I think on a first stage to collect information in, in which specific manners, uh, not only the pandemics, but, you know, violations that uh, because governments take advantage of that, you know, and to compile a document or you know, compile something that won't be perfect, but it will be, you know, the best possible way to do it and bring it, you know, to, to the rapporteur indigenous peoples, you know, bring it to the high commissioner, to the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights to, you know, give a first message. Hey, this is how the COVID, you know, not only, not only the, biological phenomenon but the social phenomenon how private actors and government take advantage of that you know so in general how it is affecting us i think that we can do via many uh many digital tools i mean uh via for example uh collect information by simple forms the swiss indigenous network has done that already I think if we organize, you know, I'll work a bit more, we can come up, you know, in this period and say, hey, this is the message of indigenous peoples. Just, just something I was thinking I jumped into. Johnson. Yeah. Um, oh, are you okay? Yep. Um, okay. All right. I uh, just want to say that, um, you know, yeah, we need to get ready, prepare in advance for the meetings coming up later. But one of the challenges that we have, uh, we see is that the language. In, in the work we do, you know, with DJM, we have people from Asia, Africa, and Latin America. So we have to translate to four languages. And we're organizing our, our first steering committee meeting in the next month. And the language is one of the challenges and we are exploring the platforms to do that and it's becoming a little bit expensive but um 
you know, we will see. It's a new reality that we have in order to get ready and continue moving things forward. So that's why uh, I want to share that, you know, that's one of the challenges that we have. But anyway, we, sh we should. For instance, just now, uh, we are talking in English. We are, you know, we are leaving out all the colleagues from Latin America that they are also participating in international meetings because they don't speak the language. So that's the one of the challenges that we have and we should explore also uh, how to include all of them as well. Well, I have to leave also, Gasali, um, sorry. Sorry okay. for that. Yeah, my wife is calling oh. now and we have to go. I appreciate I it. I just wanted to add to that, Johnson. Um, I think that that's something that we can talk to, like Michaela, about with uh, Microsoft. Um, you know, we have this platform where where um, we can we can put on uh, a live movie and it can it can translate underneath it instantly with closed captioning. So oh. I'm pretty sure that that we can figure out platforms that that can do that. Um, and we 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 do seem to know a lot of people uh, collectively that that um, work on internet platforms such as Michaela Jade, but um, that is definitely something that I've thought about too. We can't be leaving our people out. And, um, and uh, you know, as we were making these conversations, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's all well and good to put a statement to the floor, but when it's just including 90% of our population, then it's really not any more helpful than them doing it for us. Um, so, so yeah, I totally agree with that, but I do think that there's got to be ways that um, yeah. we already have access to this. Mm -hmm. no, I appreciate it, Johnson, and uh, have, a good, have a good meeting after this. Um, uh, Paulo, like what, what, you, what you said was uh, um, something that I, that, that, that came up in my head was that, um, shoot, now I lost it. I have a tendency to lose my, my train of thought when I'm excited. Um, oh, yeah. Like, it, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're closer to the source. It feels like that um, all these international processes, Human Rights Council, special... And I always teach... Uh, let train like nucleus with a different form. Oh, check your mic, and now I'm not checking my mic. So that's uh, that sucks. That's gonna stick. Um, so what I was trying to say was, um, and in terms of what, what you just said, I would say Paulo. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, or like maybe you, you're closer to the source uh, when it comes to Human Rights Council and special procedures. That it feels like if you read all these statements. Uh, that they're putting out, um, Human Rights Council, um, so like you said, Office of the High Commissioner, um, MREP did one, um, the Special Rapporteur on Environment, um, and they all try to find some kind of a platform, and it's, it's not a platform, but what is the new benchmark? And so like, how can, uh, in this new scenario of, of um, COVID-19, um, how do you apply human rights? How do you apply the rights of these peoples? And in that and in uncertainty because there's there's no 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 um no standard yeah uh because some include in these peoples and some don't include in these peoples and i think 
is is it something and i just asking that just with paula but everyone else in, in this conversation like is it something that we have to do like step up right now and say like hey um this is uh this is how you should include indigenous peoples without going into like dependency language like you like you just said uh, victor um so, so this, this is just my, my my thoughts when it comes to uh what you just said paula thank you for that and johnson as well yeah, this is this is this is exactly what I what I had in 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 mind. But maybe you guys have I mean better ideas. Uh, I think I mean you've been you know I, I have very much as a non-indigenous I, I have so much respect and working with indigenous peoples because you've been resisting for centuries, and the virus is someone you've been braving for a century. So just my this my word of of respect and i think my token of idea will be like that in in in, in if indigenous peoples don't jump in, in the process now you know there will be i mean there will be no voice no voice heard hmm. so yeah i'm a correct uh victor in terms of like you talk well you were the first one at least in the conversation that we had like last saturday um about like dependency language like so like what what's that line like when you talk about like including these peoples in in um these statements or in national uh um yeah measures to fight COVID-19 um because there's a lot of people's a lot of statements that I read is at least towards the dependency language so like please can you first explain what you mean with dependency language and then answer the question yeah, what I mean by dependency is that, um, like, historically, a lot of governments, uh, in order to to put uh, people, in the, put communities in the position that's advantageous to the government, um, they relied on trying, like, implementing policies that would make them dependent. They tried to, you know, remove our self-sufficiency, and, um, and then once they do that, they, you know, conveniently forget and now they switch the um, the language to saying like, oh, these communities are vulnerable. These communities uh, need our help. These communities will like die without us, um, which has been said about like Navajo Nation, like the governor said, oh, Navajo Nation's gonna get wiped out uh, if we don't do something. And, uh, you know, language like that without talking about why we're in this position in the first place, I think is really dangerous because it paints us as, as uh, people who are just dependent in our, in our very nature, in the essence of our being without um, recognition that, that, you know, why we got here, why, why, why we're here. And the fact that, you know, we're not actually dependent, but um, in the U S I think it needs to be framed and, this is going to be different for each country, but here we have treaties. Um, and I know that a lot of tribes don't have treaties and a lot of uh, tribes aren't even recognized, but the speaking strictly, like for the ones that do, um, framing it, not as like aid, not as, uh, something that like, you know, a favor, but framing it as a responsibility, um, that, that the government, uh, must take as an action between, you know, based on these treaties that were between sovereign nations. So I think a lot of tribes are, are trying to do that. And uh, in terms of our healthcare, education and stuff, framing these things as things that um, 
that have to be used to um, build our sovereignty and not to entrench us in in being dependent. Um, and you know, keeping that end goal that you know, if we receive money, if we receive healthcare, um, it's not something that we want to be receiving forever necessarily, but it's something that that is owed to us because of the injustices that were done to us, but not something also that we um, that that's the only thing we can rely on. We need to be able to hold multiple truths at the same time. That just because we we get you know. Um, help uh, doesn't mean that we can't also help ourselves at the same time and work towards a way from not needing that help in the future. Um, so I think these are like mind frames that we, we need to, to adopt. And uh, because I think in the US and a lot of other places, people do see indigenous peoples as, as dependent, like, oh, they're just um, uh, like leeches on the system, essentially. Um, but you know, in reality, the system was a leech on us. And we have our practices, we have our sustainable ways that we need to be um, spreading at the same time during all this as well. And then, uh, yeah, and make, making sure that, that we're utilizing um, all of our resources. I think one of the things that's really effective during these times is making sure we have like a coordinated um, media response for things that, that are happening, that are unfolding during, during this crisis. Um, being able to take stories of communities that are being disenfranchised during this crisis and um, putting that out to the world, making sure we're keeping that, that pressure and uh, making sure people are aware of these things. And so that way we have something to reference and something to, to, ad, to um, advocate off of. I think that's been really effective. And then um, also just, maintaining uh, um, communication with each other and, uh, and uh, yeah, building our sovereignty. But yeah, one of the things that, um, yeah, that I'm curious about is, uh, yeah, also like what we can do now in this, um, within these, these world frameworks, like within the UN, like I know we have to learn our traditional knowledge. That's very clear. Um, we need to su support our communities and stuff. Um, but yeah, how do we, um, become active in, in these processes that seem to be kind of disorganized now and, uh, in the know for when they're going to happen. And so that we're, we can sit at those tables. Uh, that's something that I'm not really privy to. Maybe someone else knows how, um, maybe a strategy on how we can, can get in those discussions. Um, cause I think they're going to roll out really quickly and a lot of people are going to take advantage of, of this chaos. Um, yeah. Uh, Hawk, I saw, I saw you nodding first. After that was Paulo. So, like, Hawk, you go, you go first. Well, I, 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 I totally agree with you. I also think that in our own communities, like some, like we need to, um, we there's some of us that are starting to try to figure out ways that we can be partnering up with our indigenous communities on a more sustainable level um you know uh working with um building you know I, i'd hate to say i don't want to say like treaties or or but like unit unified agreements to be able to create uh, a more indigenous shared uh, systems um of support um you know there's 
groups that are like I, I had mentioned in the beginning that about doing the agro food forestry or doing bringing back these cultural um, significant things like uh, like reforming life plans and, and and being able to work together when these uh, these governments that are supposedly um, protecting us fail um, and and um, you know the problem that we have is like especially in the US that that the the reservations are very isolated and, and cut off so all of our resources generally come from the outside of the reservation so if the outside of the reservation has failed such as we're seeing now it's harder to get supplies into into the reservations uh, to support our people and how can we come up with um, solutions to to be able to uh, help each other during these times when you know we have a government that's going to argue over whether they should even give uh, the tribes a stimulus package um, when when we're subject to their failure so um, I think working towards i think it's a good indicator that their capitalistic system doesn't work and if it can collapse within the matter of a week we need to make sure that we have systems in place to protect ourselves from them um even even though we are kind of locked landlocked right but um if we have these systems in place we'll, we'll be better prepared to be able to help each other at, at, uh, during these times you know, I think, I think, um, like you said, you know, we are subject to needing some kinds of support uh, from from their system, but also that we that we don't want to be um, latched onto their systems for ex so uh, forever. We want to be able to to regain our self-sustaining uh, practices, uh, which have been taken from us. You know, and so we, I think forming these coalitions or these these um, these groups of, of tribes working together can help can help each uh, group uh, be able to become more self-sustaining and protected during these times. Of course, there's going to be issues that that are still going to affect us no matter what. The fact that water comes from the outside into the reservations. Um, the fact that they poison our water. I think we should also work towards um, like coming coming up with uh, ways of explaining to people that that uh, instead of saying you know water is life, but actually explain to people that if they're convinced that water is just H two O, that they're that they're gonna that they can still poison the water, and really explain why water is life you know because i think that people have been so separated and removed from from the real understanding of their connection to the planet that they don't understand where we're coming from when we say stuff like that you know i think re-indigenizing our way of speaking with people and instead of trying to fit into the framework of the united nations maybe they should fit into our framework a little more um, and stay more aligned with our traditional knowledge in uh, that way too, just the way that we explain things. Um, we don't, we're not them, you know, so we, we have a different way of 
doing things and explaining things. And I think that right now we're in a time of great change and that people are ready to listen uh, to certain things that we have to say, you know? Is that something that we, at this point, as the Indian peoples, um, is it the right time to, to, to ask that from UN agencies, UN mechanisms, to more include Indian peoples, more, have more respect for traditional knowledge or ways of, of, ways of knowing, ways of doing? Is, is, it, is, it not, is this the time to do, to do it? And if so, how do we do it? Well, personally, I think that we don't have any choice. I think that we've come we've come to a point on this planet where where we can't beat around the bush anymore. I think that the way that you know we're we're living on this planet and the and the fact that people could be out of work for one week and the whole economy collapses shows very much that the way that we're living on this planet is not sustainable at all. You know, um and so and as we talk about our prophecies as we talk about um, our stories uh, all coming together right now. Um, you know, indigenous peoples all over the world have stories about these times that we're in right now. You know, and and we have a responsibility, an inherent responsibility to our Earth Mother to tell the truth about what's happening and in the way that we know. You know, and so I think, I think that's the like. There's never been a better time for this right now you know the, there's we've never been in a closer time of of gigantic change than right now we have the whole world not working we have the whole world on pause like when is there a better opportunity to to make a dramatic change for unity on this planet and you know the the skies in india uh, have cleared you know you can you can you can see the skies in India. When was the last time we had that? You know, these are these. This is a very real situation that we're. In. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, obviously, acknowledging that there are so many difficulties coming with the situation, like not just seeing like, oh, what kind of possibilities do we have? But it is. Um, in this time we need to meet each other and because we don't have the opportunity to like for us for example we don't have the opportunity to say you come to our uh to our igc at wipo and we're here and then we have the indigenous caucus meeting the days before and um kind of relying on that platform we need to find new platforms and yeah, people are, there's still a lot of question marks. There will be for a few weeks, uh, at least a few weeks more to see um, how we can solve these things. Like Paolo said as well, like we should uh, we'll gather information and we'll bring that forward. But, but then my question is like, how do we bring that forward to this UN mechanisms? Because bringing it forward means going to the meetings the physical meetings in new york in geneva and so on uh so on that question like is this the right time to um to bring our questions in this new format well this this is a new format we need to uh, we need to meet each other in a new way now uh it will just be very interesting to see uh 
um, in which ways this will be. Um, but it's obvious that we need to find new ways because when I ask, like, do, do we wait for the physical meetings? I see everyone's head go, no, 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 like we can't, we can't wait around for that. Um, so it will be interesting uh, and a bit scary to see like where, how, how do we move forward from this? What kind of mechanisms uh, will we have? What kind of, in which kind of format and platform will we meet? Um, what kind of new needs will indigenous peoples have uh, during and after um, the COVID-19? So, uh, and kind of find our way, um, find a way well to meet uh, and uh, yeah, uh, during this time. So now it will be really, it will be interesting to see, not just positively interesting, but it will be interesting to see um, how we solve this, how we go through with this. Mm -hmm. Thanks, uh, Paulo. Yeah, just picking up from anyone I was listening to. I mean, uh, Victor was talking about a strategy. I don't think there is sort of a, a golden or, or the best strategy. There is sort of a way for that. You know, some some people know more about you know some technical issues on how to reach and I don't know an international venue and so on added you know combined with the answers the, the, the essence of of your you know plight and your suggestions i mean i think there is a sort of a, a way forward in in that no uh yes and i think time is ripe and probably almost too late at least for a preliminary uh message from in indigenous peoples uh, I, I can say only from the, 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 you know, my experience with the UN special procedures, they are working and the rapporteur is, is available. There are creative ways, you know, of finding simple solutions with, uh, I don't know, meeting with, uh, you know, a small meeting with 20 persons with some draftings, for example, a first assessment, you know, from the indigenous people, how the COVID is is affecting them uh, on obvious on the right to health, on freedom of assembly, on you know, on hate speech. Has it increased by which means? You know, indigenous peoples and so on and so on and so on. I think, I think that there is a possibility to, um this would impact positively because we will bring a, a, a and sort of. A, authoritative you know it's it's something that the essence will come from from you indigenous peoples you know working and the ones who cannot i mean the ones who have internet access they can try to sort of uh, capillarize into you know within the colleagues who were are unable to to be there with the best internet connection, but they send some voice messages through WhatsApp and so on. There, 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 are, there are ways, I mean, in which we can feed the, the, the UN system right now. Maybe not with the best methodologies, but you know, with the best of our, of our efforts and, and hearts. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the worst thing that you can do right now is like is sit at home and do nothing. 
you know, especially when things are happening, things are progressing in, in a in a fast way and in a way that's, um, you know, because we're all in our bubble, right? You know, so like we don't, because we call it social distancing and and we're all in our, inside, isolated in our own bubble and which, yeah, the the danger of it all is that you do not look beyond beyond your bubble, you know, and, and it is very important that we at least, I think that's why I'm doing this at least, um, like to, to zo- like get out of the bubble and in terms of like, virtually and then check in with everyone and that we as as a movement for the rights of Indian peoples and, and the interests of Indian peoples that we make sure that things are still rolling and also that we make use of like it's not ideal and we cannot wait until um until the Prune forum convenes you know or, or until 2021 when when things hopefully are back at normal and then again like the question is what is normal uh, post COVID COVID nineteen, what is normal? Um, so we do have to, like we're the um, the world right now like it it um, it pushes us towards doing something that we have not done before um, in terms of like trying to c- communicate or coordinate in in in, in a way that because the movement like historically and I've I've only been in the movement for like nineteen years now like it has been the movement has been strongest at the international level. Um, it has been, uh, I see Rebecca laughing. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. My, my, uh, you can see in my head, there's been 19 years. Um, but the movement has been strongest at the, at the in, international level. And I, it was, it would be such a shame to see that um, um, perish actually under these, under these circumstances. Um, of course, we ho- all hope to be like physically at the Purim Forum or at the Emirate or at the Human Rights Council or at WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization. Sorry for all the acronyms, everyone. Um, hopefully, at the end of the whole session, that you know all the acronyms by heart. Um, yeah, that like we should not wait. And this has been my concern. Um, sorry for to go out of this rant or riff. Uh, with the movement that we always wait until we're in New York. We always wait until we're in at in Geneva before we strategize for something. Like we, um, at least most of the regions, uh, most of the Indian peoples. And I know that, for example, Asia is doing a very good job and doing and having like preparatory meetings, but they have the infrastructure to do so. If you look at the Pacific, for example, well, like you have all these islands, like it's very hard, very difficult to have physical meetings. And then with this with this COVID-19 pandemic and that we're all in isolation, that it, it drives us, it forces us to search for ways to be communicative amongst one another. The question then is like, well, how do we, yeah, how do we commun- communicate in a respectful way? Oh, no, sorry. How do we communicate with the UN and how can the UN um, accept our communications in a respectful way? Because... Um, for example, like I can imagine that, like in the, that, there's a lot of things happening right now, not only in a negative way, in terms of the like, human rights violations that are still ongoing. Uh, we just heard from the Amazon basin in the Amazon, uh, but we also heard, read, and hear a lot of positive things about like Mother Earth like regenerating herself, like, like biodiversity uh, coming back, and, and and like you said, like you can see, like in India, they can. The, the, the sky is cleared and, and you can see 
actually beyond uh, 100 meters. Um, so like th 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 there needs to be ways actually for us to be able to communicate that in respect uh, to the to the UN for them to take it in into um, yeah uh, making sure that um, it is not just the states talking right now like it's just states talking uh, whereas in these peoples custodians of the planet for since time memorial you know and and biodiversity you know you know the whole thing. Um, that we should be talking as well, um, and I, I don't. I don't want to say like that. We've been. Uh, I don't want to point fingers because um, that is not my mindset. My mindset in this case is like, what can we do? Like, like what can we do? And I physically like people are listening. Like, what can we? What can they do? What can we do? Um, practically simple to, yeah. Uh, uh, to communicate, uh, not only like within these peoples or uh, w with the with the United Nations, or um, yeah, like so. What 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 comes into your mind? Becca, please. Yeah, something that's also really important to um, to remember is it's not just UN and the UN system and the UN agencies. And there are just providing platforms. Um, it's also that that we, uh, as UN agencies, use the opportunities of these international meetings to, I don't know, like ask for advice from from our stakeholders as well. We talk to to member states, NGOs, other observers. We talk to indigenous peoples um, because when it comes to it we are working for our stakeholders um and uh and and the un agencies needs the inputs from from indigenous peoples um it's also what what victor was saying as well and such as well like we're um it's not only that indigenous peoples are like the ones who are dependent we are we are dependent on you or your inputs as well, or like the inputs of, of indigenous peoples. For example, that's why I have the position that I have as an indigenous fellow. That's because there was a need at the World Intellectual Property Organization for the inputs of indigenous peoples in the everyday work. And we are using, um, when we host the IGC, which is also so is an acronym, it's the Intergovernmental Committee on uh, genetic resources, traditional knowledge, and folklore that uh, WIPO then is hosting or uh, facilitating. Um, so we're also using uh, those meetings to really have like proper discussions with all of our stakeholders to see how what what do we need, what do, what what do you need, what do you want, uh, how can we make this better, how can we um, how can we develop our meetings and our ways of working intercessionally or, or at our meetings. So um, we need that as well. And in, in this time, yeah, we, we need to find a way to, to really, it's, a, it's, it's not a one-way street. Like we need to communicate mm -hmm. with each other. And, um, and like I need, like my division, like we, we need the inputs of indigenous peoples to see um, if we're doing things right, what we should work on, what we should develop in, in this time of the, like, the COVID crisis, like what do people need? Um, 
as well. So so we really do want inputs, and that's also yeah. I'm gonna like Rochelle. I'm gonna put my um, my email in the comments because we we really do need those uh, those inputs and uh, just knowing that like it's it's not it's not just you and agencies and um, and that indigenous peoples are dependent. Like we we need we need the inputs as well. Appreciate it. No, thanks. I think that, yes, um, I think that's a very good, very good observation that you made that is that, that it's not just a one way street, but it's a two way street that, um, that these meetings are not just that, that not just you, any people need these meetings, but like you and agencies as well. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, we're coming to the tail end of this kind of conversation. I think, um, that, uh, uh, I've been, yeah, any, any, sorry, before I like round everything up, like any, any additional thoughts or something that we have not covered yet? Like, what do you want to talk about still? Anything, tell me anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is the time to, um, to really push forward the message that um, we don't have to go back to the way it was. We don't have to, you know, this, this, if anything, this, uh, this pandemic is like staining almost like a antibody stain. Uh, if I'm going to get really scientific, uh, of the things in our society that aren't working and they're showing us that. Um, a lot of the mistakes that we've made that we haven't addressed that come from, you know, even hundreds of years ago. And uh, I think we need to, you know, we need to hop on those, those, uh, those stains and, uh, and make them even more visible um, and show people that we don't have to go back to that. Like, you know, this is a practical example. Um, I mean, not, not even in the, it, I mean, obviously this affects indigenous peoples, um, but indigenous peoples with disabilities and all people with disabilities, uh, we're finding out that they actually don't have to go into work. A lot of them. Um, that's just one example. They can they can work from home. But there are so many things that we can use um, this opportunity to show that um, we can move forward. And indigenous peoples need to be um, included in those processes in order to make sure that we move forward in the right ways to show the world that we can be more sustainable to highlight the thing that this is, these are things that we've been saying, you know, for hundreds of years. Um, and that, you know, if we were essentially listened to, a lot of people wouldn't be dying right now. We wouldn't be worrying about getting food to people or getting medicine to people um, that, that don't have access to it. Um, and that the UN agencies and countries need to get on board with, um, with, you know, promoting indigenous sovereignty. Um, and maybe one of the strategies we can talk about is, you know, elucidating how much money it would save if indigenous peoples, um, you know, had, you know, our own gardens, we're trading with each other, you know, our own Buffalo ranches in my tribe's case, um, you know, our, our pipe, you know, control sovereignty of our own education system. So our children, uh, spoke their language, knew their traditional knowledge, knew when to plant food, how to hunt, uh, new traditional medicines that grew on their in their territory that would help their elders. Um, how much money the UN and countries would be saving if we had these things in place and if we had them uh, in place in the future as well. 
I think is something we need to be looking at um, in term, yeah, in terms of uh, uh, and that, because I'm I'm not sure that uh, uh, what we've been doing and how how Indigenous peoples um, have been supported it has necessarily been been effective. So I think we need to we need total mind total shift in that mentality. Thanks so much, uh, Victor. Um, Paulo, any any thoughts? Um, I think the, the the our our talk was, uh, at least from my part, covered uh, a whole bunch of issues. I I agree with, with Victor. I mean, and then again, I come back to this idea of agents of change you know that i think indigenous people should you know use this idea much more that you know without the active participation of indigenous peoples in so many processes in economy you know in 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 ways of life in, in recovering from the the the, the covid 19 you know many countries will not uh, succeed in, in the SDGs and will not succeed in, in any other sustainable way way of life. Just putting this, dropping this coin in, in the discussion. Appreciate it. Rebecca, take it home. Any final, final thoughts, things that you still want to say? No, I think I'm all good. It was just really interesting to hear all of your uh, inputs and really good to see um, see in the chat as well and the comments uh, that I have to read through properly uh, people had their input so um, yeah again like just we're still we're still in the period where there are pretty much like only question marks um, for most of us um, and I look forward to like continuing the discussion finding new ways of communicating and then uh, hopefully um, clearing some things up and coming with some solutions um, pretty soon. So, yeah, that's it. Thanks. I oh, appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you so much. Um, Victor, Paul, Victor, you want to say something? Like you I was just going to say thank you for uh, oh. moderating this discussion. You've been an amazing moderator, and thank you to Ghazali for um, Thanks a lot, organizing Ghazali. these discussions. No, oh, it's um, it's something that I felt that that needed to happen, and it's um, definitely. I hope I hope that people are, and it's already happening, but like people do it more, like like having these online conversations. It's uh, while we're still in quarantine and bubble, and there's still no end in sight in terms uh, when is this whole lockdown thing is going to end, that we need to have continue having these the, the just discussions. Um, so thank you so much, Victor, Rebecca, Paulo, and Johnson, and uh, Hawk, he, he always leaves, he always leaves all of a sudden. And um, uh, Rochelle, so thank you so much for, uh, for, for joining in, uh, in the conversation. I think I'm doing this final monologue thing, right? Like, like what they do in, in, in um, like shows, shows and stuff, like, like, I don't know, like late night shows. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for, for your contribution. Everyone else you know, like in the comments, uh, thank you so much for, for, um, showing love, uh, showing appreciation and, and, and showing thoughts. Uh, sorry, I, I missed this question, by the way. Um, that's actually the question was, 
confused how oh, I am confused how, how you can onwards for the negotiation on process for the legally binding treaty if you have to go through UNGA again. Oh, that's with the BBNJ. Um, so that it the, the the deadline was IGC four and for that. Um, so a couple of weeks ago. So like in order to be have an like a new meeting, it requires a a, uh, a new UNGA resolution or a decision by the General Assembly. So that's that's why um, um, that would it, it's happened that way. And the negotiations can can still continue. So luckily, it's not it it doesn't end at IGC force, which is um, in the governmental conference conference. Um, sorry, Claire, for only um, answering the question like almost one hour after she, she asked it. Usually I'm not that not that slow. Um, so this is this was so today was we, we talked about um, in the, the impacts of COVID-19 in the in Indians and on Indian peoples, sorry. Um, with uh, particularly the international agenda of Indian peoples, uh, we heard a lot of concerns about, um, yeah, about uh, about like human rights violations are not still not still occurring. The the thought that UN is it's not reachable, but it is still working. Like we still have to like file our human rights violations, our, our special, um, and still communicate with the UN. Um, that the meetings are not happening is. Is not only a, uh, a problem for Indigenous peoples, but also a problem for UN agencies and other and and states uh, like current uh, form was supposed to occur in in this in this period. Um, like so they they can check in with Indigenous peoples and ask Indigenous peoples. So the question is, what is the platform now like to, for Indigenous peoples as well as as the well as the UN as well as its UN agencies? To reach out to one another while we're still in lockdown, we cannot wait until um, the UN reconvenes all the, all of their meetings. Um, so, what are the platforms out there? Um, there's the, the UN is now trying to find some. What, we, what we're experiencing is trying to find a new standard. Like, how do you apply human rights and the rights of these peoples in a time of COVID nineteen uh, while in quarantine and while in lockdown? Like, how do how how it's trying to figure out the guidelines for states so that states um, can abide by the, by the human rights still. Um, so one concern is from, from an Indian side, like, well, uh, Indian peoples are not equally mentioned in, in the processes and the wording is not as strong as we want it to be. And that is a, um, a indicator for the Indian movement, uh, for the international Indian movement to step up and, and engage with, with these special procedures and with the uh, UN bodies that are talking about uh, about the, these measures, that how do we want, uh, what do we want them to do, and while still being respectful for the rights of these peoples, and without going into like the dependency language, like, like uh, Victor just now said, there are many more things that we need to that that are, are about that we should talk, talk about. But I hopefully you can continue to come come in the comments. But have your own meetings on this as well. I think that is very important. Um, tomorrow we'll, we will we will be talking. So it's like a whole week. Uh, tomorrow we will go um, on continue the conversation. We'll focus on rule of law and and human rights. The, the so we'll go more specifically in the national context. The day after tomorrow we'll talk about the environmental impacts. So we already talked about like the negative impacts, but we'll all, but it's also interesting to talk about the positive impacts of 
of, of the lockdown, you know, and how can we can we uh, compile that, collate that in a way that we can bring it to the UN in, in, in due time or right now um, so that they take that into consideration. The Thursday will be very interesting because then we'll be really talk about, listen very carefully to what Victor is going, going to say, because he's going to talk about like uh, all about indigenous medicine. I'm not going to take, say too much about it, but it's going to be very interesting because we will be talking about indigenous people's own mechanisms and, 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 and own ways of, uh, uh, of coping and, and, and own ways of, of um, yeah, sorry, I lost that one. Um, anyway, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be it's going to be about indigenous um, self protection mechanisms like food sovereignty, um, um, and we, we're going to look at the nation of Hawaii how they, how they're doing, um, what they're, what, they're, they're, what a good example they can be, and we're going to also going to look at indigenous protection me mechanisms like uh, in the Pacific we have Sasi and uh, Rahui, which uh, it is like a um, like a certain area or resource is being locked off or in quarantine for, for, for a certain amount of time so people cannot access it for it to allow it to regenerate. So how can we, how can we use that uh, in, in, in this particular context? Or is it, are we doing it by ourselves? Uh, um, or uh, yeah, or sh should we do something about that in, in, about in, in that way in, in the global context? And then the Friday will be also interesting because uh, that's actually we go like hand to hand, as in like we go, uh, we're, we're trying to find out GoFundMe's and like these people that are asking that they need help, and we're trying to find, give them advice and guidance on, on, on a lot of things. So that will be interesting. And then so Saturday, um, it will be a surprise. It's not on the menu, but it is a surprise. And Victor is. Um, he's, he's already laughing. Um, he's going to be uh, participating in that on Saturday, but more on that uh, throughout the week. Thank you so much for for tuning in, and thank um, for, thank you again, Paulo, Rebecca, Victor, Rochelle, Hawk, and Johnson. Thanks. And hopefully, um, see you guys. Catch you up um, tomorrow and throughout the week. Thank you for listening. I hope I was of value to you. Please subscribe. It would mean the world to me if you dropped a comment on my social media. But most of all, and before we run out of music, have a great day. Yeah, that sounded weird.